Lurking in the shadows is a predator unlike any other. Cities all over the nation be on alert. This predator doesn't slow down. It doesn't take a break. It's always on the prowl. Joining you on the prowl to talk Jacksonville Jaguars is Dan Tatora. Welcome back here to Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora on wakeupcalldt.com, your one-stop sports shop, and on mixlr.com backslash wakeupcalldt. You know what time it is inside of the morning menu every single Monday to start off the second hour of the show. We started a little bit back here today and Marvin Graves going into the second hour of the broadcast, but deservedly so. We had a lot of things to talk about with Syracuse and his history and being a part of that 1991 team that was the last team to start the season 4-0. and So we are now starting on the prowl featuring Jacksonville Jaguars talk. The Jacksonville Jaguars, this is not, uh, th- this is okay. There's a very strange week in the NFL. We're going to get to it in just uh, a few minutes here, but we got to start with the Jacksonville Jaguars talk. So let's do that in the here and now, get to that Jaguars game. And not just this Jaguars game, but in general, you can read my story on wakeupcalldt.com on the right now page. You can go right there and, and read Titans are Jaguars kryptonite is the name of the story and there's a bunch of stories you can read on the Jacksonville Jaguars as well as Syracuse football Syracuse men's basketball the ACC NCAA the NFL the American Athletic Conference and so on and so forth there's over 500 articles available to you on wakeupcalldt.com guess what folks for free not click on this and do this and go here and go there and buy this and buy that it's all free Every single article, wakeupcalldt.com, go to the Right Now page. It's a play on words. What that is is it's our online newspaper, and you can read what I write right now. So, Titans are Jaguars kryptonite. The Jacksonville Jaguars had one of their best seasons as a franchise in the 2017-18 campaign. They won 10 of 16 regular season games last season. Jacksonville will go on to defeat the Buffalo Bills at home in the AFC wildcard round and then head to Pennsylvania where they met and took down the Pittsburgh Steelers in the AFC divisional game. They would command the majority of the AFC championship game on the road in Foxborough versus the New England Patriots, pardon me, missing what could have been their first ever trip to the Super Bowl by a mere four points. But they did not defeat the Tennessee Titans last season, despite all of that. They lost not once, but twice to their AFC South divisional foe. Jacksonville suffered their largest loss of last season, with the postseason included every game they played suffered their worst loss against Tennessee at home in Jacksonville by 21 points, 37-16 last season. Their second largest defeat was by 10 fewer points, 11, uh, pardon me, by, by 11 fewer points, 27-17 versus the Los Angeles Rams, also at home in Jacksonville. Case in point, the Jacksonville Jaguars struggle when they face the Titans, no matter what the situation is, how the season is, or how well the team is playing. Jacksonville was coming off of a win over the New England Patriots in week two of this season, where they won by 11 points, 31-20, at home at TIAA Bank Field, gaining their first win ever over New England in the regular season. Had never beaten them in the regular season before. Eight tries, one win. And their first ever victory over Tom Brady while he's been the quarterback of the Patriots. 
So the Jacksonville Jaguars in 13 chances to beat the Patriots have only beaten them twice. Never in the regular season until this season, and they've never defeated Tom Brady until this season. So how do they respond to that? By losing in week three the next week to the Tennessee Titans, a team who's been underwhelming this season. In the first half of the contest on Sunday, September 23rd, Tennessee quarterbacks Marcus Mariota and Blaine Gabbert, who was supposed to be the franchise quarterback for the Jaguars before they drafted Blake Bortles, Gabbert and Mariota combined in the first half of yesterday's game on September 23rd to go 4 for 10 from the field for 18 passing yards, 1.8 yards per pass in the first half. And the Jaguars couldn't get up on that team. The Jaguars could not get up on a team whose quarterbacks combined to go 4 for 10, which is 40%, 18 total passing yards in a half an hour of play. The first half. Despite outgaining the Titans 110 to 60 total yards and six first downs to four in the first half, the Jaguars had nothing but a field goal to show for it. If not for the boot of Josh Lambeau, who made almost a 50-yarder, he made it from 46 yards away in the second quarter, the Jaguars would have nothing to show for themselves in the first half. With 227 left in the third quarter, the Jaguars would take 6 minutes and 39 seconds off the clock, which was huge, but it ended up hurting them in the long run. Bortles went 6 for 7 on this drive, but again, no end zone for the Jaguars, who kicked a 38-yard field goal to tie the game at 6-6, a response by Lambeau to Ryan Suckup's 36-yarder in the second half. Though Jacksonville's defense did not allow a single touchdown all game, their offense didn't gain one either, and the defense was left on the field for more than half the game. And they say that no matter how good a defense is, the longer they have to play, the more snaps they have to play, the bigger chance that even the best defenses in the country are going to make mistakes. And a failure to keep them off the field in this game was an issue. The Jacksonville defense struggled against the run, failing to slow down the wheels of Mariota, who averaged 7.3 yards per carry on seven carries for 51 yards. Jacksonville gave up a total of 150 yards on the ground, while their own rushing attack ended with 87 yards. Starting running back Leonard Fournette sat for the second straight week due to a hamstring injury. On top of that, two of Jacksonville's starting linemen, Left tackle Cam Robinson and right guard A.J. Can were, un- were inactive for the game. Robinson's out for the season with a torn ACL, anterior cruciate ligament, and Can is nursing a triceps injury. So on both sides of the line, they were missing somebody, protecting Blake Bortles, and it showed. And on top of that, you don't have your big burly back and Leonard Fournette. So moving the ball and protecting Bortles were obviously an issue. On a fourth-quarter drive for the Titans, Mariota went 3-for-4, and running back Derrick Henry ran seven times for 33 yards, almost five yards per carry, to help set up Suckup, who connected from 28 yards away to give Tennessee the separation they needed to get the win the same way. So they left Jacksonville the same way they did last year, with a dub. This time around, a lot closer of a game, 9-6, to six, little to no offense. In the 21st century, the Jaguars are now 15-22, and 22, versus the Titans. 15 wins, 22 losses. There's only been one season in the 21st century where the Jaguars have won both divisional games against the Titans in the same season, and that was in 2005-06 campaign. The 2005-06 season, which was 13 years ago, it's the only time in the 21st century that the Jacksonville Jaguars have defeated the Titans in both divisional games of one season. 
Overall, Jacksonville is 20-26 and 26 all-time against the Tennessee franchise. The bright spot for Jacksonville in this head-to-head rivalry, though, has been Blake Bortles, who went 3-0 and at home versus Tennessee in his first three seasons in the NFL, defeating the Titans on December 18, 2014 by a score of 21-13, on November 19, 2015, by a score of 19-13, and on December 24, 2016, by a score of 38-17. So, think about that. The Jacksonville Jaguars struggle at home against the Titans, struggle overall against the Titans, but Blake Bortles started off 3-0 at home against the Titans in his first three seasons. But Bortles, here's another interesting fact coming off of this. Bortles started 3-0. Bortles is one of the quarterbacks that looks good against the Titans that wears the Jaguars' teal. But Bortles has yet to get a home win over the Titans on a Sunday. This makes it even weirder. Since 2013, the Jaguars as a team have only defeated the Titans once in eight Sunday contests. In the last five years, the Jaguars have only defeated once the Titans once in eight Sunday contests. The last win for Jacksonville against Tennessee on a Sunday was Sunday, November 10th, 2013 on the road in Tennessee, 29-27 with Chad Henney as quarterback for Jacksonville. Their last home win on a Sunday versus the Titans was on Sunday, November 25th, 2012, where Henney was also the quarterback then, 24-19. Jacksonville is now 2-1 on the season, will next face Tennessee in Tennessee on Thursday, December 6, 2018, which bodes well for them because when they play them on Saturdays or they play them on Thursdays, that's when Blake Bortles gets the victories. But playing them on Sundays, not so much for the Jaguars who have struggled against them. Jaguars have not won a home game once again against the Titans on a Sunday since 2012 and have not won a road game against the Titans on a Sunday since 2013. And they will play them on Thursday, December 6, 2018, in Tennessee at 8.20 p.m. Eastern Time for the only game on for, for Thursday night football that week. So just kind of an interesting nugget there that the Titans obviously have the Jaguars number, but on top of that, to go even deeper and say Blake Bortles was 3-0 and in his first three seasons at Jacksonville, at home against Tennessee. So at home against Tennessee, Blake Bortles, first three seasons, those three home games, 3-0. But none of them were on a Sunday. And the Jacksonville Jaguars have not won a Sunday game against Tennessee in five years. So just kind of interesting there. When Sundays are meant for the NFL, allegedly Jacksonville should only schedule the Tennessee Titans on Thursdays and Saturdays because it hasn't worked out in recent history. And the last quarterback to do it was the quarterback who was teaching Blake Bortles, and that was Chad Henney. Now Chad Henney's in Kansas City backing up Pat Mahomes, and Blake Bortles and the Jacksonville Jaguars are struggling. Now, this is not an excuse, but it's just a thought, and I brought it up during during this segment here on the Prowl, speaking on the Jacksonville Jaguars every single Monday in the second hour of the show, starting around 10 a.m., sometimes a little bit after, but always in the second hour of the Monday broadcast to discuss the Jacksonville Jaguars in our signature segment on the Prowl. So, A.J. Can, Cam Robinson, both being out. Jacksonville up until last season, 
really putting it together, did not have an offensive line that could protect Blake Bortles. Now, Blake got blamed for a lot of the stuff. It was always Blake's fault. Blake couldn't do it. Blake couldn't figure it out. Blake was the problem, even though Blake had no time to throw the ball and little to no protection and no running back that could carry the load consistently. But it was all Blake's fault. But it wasn't. And people should know when they go back and they look at it that it wasn't. Because when quarterbacks don't have time to throw the ball, you can't ask a ton of them because they don't have the opportunity to get the ball out there into the open field. So you see them making incompletions or throwing interceptions where the reality of it all is they're struggling just to be able to get away from the onslaught and get the ball out there. And in in the game that happened this week in week three of the NFL, it was clear to me that Jacksonville is reeling from not having their starters out there. There's a reason why these guys are starters. There's a reason why they're out on the field instead of somebody else's name. And not having A.J. Can and Cam Robinson, it showed. It absolutely 100% showed. And not having Leonard Fournette, because you got to think about it this way. Yeah, he's a big burly back, but he's also a blocker. So you don't have that blocker. You don't have Cam Robinson on your blind side, and you don't have A.J. Can on the interior part next to your center. So the Jacksonville Jaguars should be scouring and looking for opportunities of offensive linemen, and it's not to knock any of the offensive linemen on the team. It's just to make the statement that the Jacksonville Jaguars did not have good protection on Blake Bortles, and it's simply put, didn't have Cam Robinson and didn't have A.J. Can. They didn't have two of the guys that are key to their success. And Calais Campbell went out later in the game, and he went out a game ago against the Patriots as well. You win championships in the trenches. You win games in the trenches. You build from the inside out. If you don't take care of your offensive line and your defensive line and they don't stay healthy, that can cost you an entire season. The health of the offensive line And the defensive line is tremendous because a healthy defensive line that has a lot of talent and can attack takes the pressure off the linebackers, takes the pressure off the DBs. Because no matter how good of a DB you are, you're not going to every single play, every single down, be able to stay with somebody and blanket them the whole time unless you're one of the greatest players of all time. And on the offensive line, your quarterback might be able to get the ball out quick, might be able to see things quick. But protection is of the essence. Protection. Think about Ben Roethlisberger if he didn't have the protection that he has. Think about Tom Brady if he doesn't have the protection that he has. Even go back and think about a guy who didn't have a good career in David Carr with the Houston Texans if he didn't get sacked, I think, 93 times in one season. If you don't have time to throw the ball, time to survey the field, then you're looking to that one receiver that the ball is supposed to go to. You're not checking down. You're not looking around. You don't have time to make those decisions. You don't have time to take it off of that one read and look to the next read. So you are going to throw interceptions. You are going to overthrow people or underthrow people or throw behind people. It's going to happen. And that's what we saw in this game. The offense could not move the ball up and down the field. And so to blame that solely on Blake Bortles, when even if you just watched the second half of that game, he would drop back and pressure would come through. And if he decided he wanted to run and he stepped up, there was already somebody there to corral him and take him down. 
So the guys that are behind those starters in Jacksonville have to step it up. When we look at that Jacksonville O-line and who's behind them and who's behind these starters, they have to step it up and be prepared. Josh Wells, the offensive tackle on the left side with Cam Robinson being out, it is of the essence that he steps it up. Andrew Norwell, the left guard, has been doing a good job. Brandon Linder, longtime center. Jeremy Parnell at right tackle. All of these guys important to this. Will Richardson was inactive, so they drafted a guy in the fourth round of the 2018 draft out of NC State who wasn't even available for this game. So your backup wasn't available. Then you have Chris Reed and Josh Walker, and that's it. So... Josh Wells held his own against the the Patriots with Cam Robinson going out early in the game. So Josh Wells has to be consistent, and that's going to take time because, again, nothing nothing can simulate reps. Nothing. There's nothing in football that can simulate playing in a game. Nothing. You can try to scout it. You can try to figure it out to the best of your ability, but nothing is going to be able to simulate what it's like to be in a game. So Josh Wells, if he doesn't have a good day, you know what? He stepped in, had a great day against Patriots. Tough day right here. Growing pains. He's going to get there. It's his fourth season in the NFL, but he's a backup. So he needs time. Andrew Norwell, Brandon Linder, Jeremy Parnell, they should be able to get it done. But with A.J. Can out of this game and Will Richardson out of this game, it's slim pickings for the team. So Will Richardson has to get healthy, has to get back out there. And again, he's a rookie. So they need him for depth, but he's a rookie. He's going to have growing pains. He can't say he played on the team last year or 10 years ago or five years ago or whatever that may be. He's not a Grizzly veteran. He's a rookie. So not every rookie can step in like a Cam Robinson and make it happen. It's going to take time. So the health of all of these guys, Wells, Norwell, Linder, Can, and Parnell, is of the is is of the utmost importance to Blake Bortles in this team's success and Will Richardson getting healthy and providing some depth as well as the Jaguars looking outside of these guys to see if there's anybody else they can pick up at this point in the season is also of the essence right now if they want to move forward and they want to make it happen because this team is more than capable of getting somewhere this season. More than capable of getting somewhere this season. But the injury bug can kill you. And we've seen it happen to Doug Marone when he was at Syracuse. The injury bug can kill you. So the hope for this Jacksonville team is that they can find the backups that can get it done and that injuries to A.J. Cann and Leonard Fournette and Calais Campbell and Jalen Ramsey – that all of these will heal and stay healed so that the team can move forward. Because one of the most unfortunate things is when something happens out of your control, when you have the talent and you have the ability to make it forward and to do something special in a season. It's crucial that these guys get healthy, but it's also crucial that Jacksonville gets smart in the game here and proactive and goes out and sees who's out there, if there's anybody out there worth a lick and given an opportunity to on this team this season. Jacksonville Jaguars kryptonite are the Tennessee Titans. 
and their offense is not that bad, but go back and watch the tape. Blake Bortles did not have time. He didn't. There were plays where the offensive linemen completely missed. Completely and utterly missed picking up a blocker, or picking up a block. Just standing in the wide open field. And I'm not here to single people out or to knock people or anything like that. It's a hard job to do. But the reality of it all is, this is not Blake Bortles sucking up the day. This is injuries affecting a crucial part of the team, which affected their ability to move the ball, which put the defense on the field more, which eventually led to, no matter how good you are, giving up some plays. And they gave up not a lot, but just enough in the second half to put Tennessee in field goal range. Think about this. Jacksonville didn't allow any touchdowns. Even though Marcus Mariota marched down the field, they did not let him in the end zone. They did not let him in the end zone. But they ran the ball. They ran the ball, and 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 and eventually it started working against the Jaguars. That defense should not be condemned for this game, nor should Blake Bortles. This was injuries that led to a lot of things and a terrible domino effect to a team that was coming off of one of the greatest wins in their history as a franchise. And now they have the Jets coming in, and they're going to have to bounce back quick. We'll take a step aside. Speaking of bouncing back quick, we'll come back after this with NFL coverage and some thoughts on the games that were crazy in week three of the NFL. And I'll go back to week three of last season and prove to you that week three is just a strange time in the NFL. We'll be back in just a moment. This is a wake-up call fast break. Gear up with the real deal at Dreisig Apparel. Creating what people are going to see and learn about you before they even meet you. Gear up for what you need for your team, business, or event. To look professional, look good, and feel good, outfit yourself at DreisigApparel.com. That's D-R-E-I-S-S-I-G Apparel.com. The only place to gear up with the real deal. What's the universal language of a fan? Clapping your hands. With Fan Hands, the ultimate sports fan accessory, find your team color, slip them on, and start cheering on your favorite team with 11 different colors always in stock on FanHands.com, where you'll find the ultimate sports fan accessory. Real fans wear Fan Hands. Utica Pizza Company spells family, your family, my family, their family. The recipes that they have shared with each other throughout the years and have now been so gracious to share them with us. I can sit here and talk with you about all the great things that are on the menu, but we'd be here forever. So let me say this, Utica Pizza Company is second to none. And now you can bring it home with you and you can dine in in the restaurant. UticaPizzaCompany.com will give you all the information that you need. And let me say, these Utica Greens... They're the best. Utica Pizza Company. Call them and place your order at 315-214-3060. That's 315-214-3060. Families break bread at Utica Pizza Company.
Get Hilton quality service at the most affordable price at True by Hilton Camillus, located right next to Costco in Township 5. True by Hilton Camillus offers you their signature sport court where you can enjoy basketball, volleyball, pickleball, soccer, lacrosse, and more year-round in their indoor facility. For reservations and information, call 315-314-8676. That's 315-314-8676. True by Hilton Camillus. Hilton quality service at the most affordable price. Welcome back here to Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora on wakeupcalldt.com, your one-stop sports shop, and on mixlr.com backslash wakeupcalldt. I hope the day is treating you well and you're having a great time here on a Monday morning. Monday morning quarterback we had just a little bit ago with our guy Marvin Graves, who was the quarterback for the Syracuse Orange the last time the team started the season 4-0. and So when everybody's been talking to you about 27 years ago this and 27 years ago that, that was Marvin Graves' time in 1991 when they took down Florida, Vanderbilt, Maryland, and Tulane. Florida was ranked fifth in the country at the time inside of the SEC, and Syracuse took them down by double digits in the Carrier Dome. Something about winning big games inside of the Dome. It's just a thing. Defeating Nebraska, big-time games in the Dome. But now Syracuse has to win a big one on the road in Clemson in Death Valley. And when we look at Clemson's schedule thus far this season, let us take a, a little a little peek here, a little gander at the schedule for Clemson so far this season because the Syracuse Orange, as you know, played at Western Michigan and then home against Wagner, Florida State, and UConn. When we look at the schedule for the Clemson Tigers, the Clemson Tigers are 4-0 as well. And the Clemson Tigers have played Furman at Texas A&M, which is a good game because that was Jimbo Fisher up against Dabo Sweeney again for the first time with Jimbo at Texas A&M. So that was a big-time game. And then Georgia Southern and Georgia Tech. So Georgia Tech, mid-range opponent in the ACC. Georgia Southern should win. Furman should win. So the the tougher game was Texas A&M. So they played a little bit tougher of a schedule than Syracuse, but not by an overwhelming, tremendous amount. Just a little bit. They face off this Saturday, September 29th, at noon Eastern time on ABC for the whole world to see two 4-0 teams in the ACC in the same division of the Atlantic Coast Conference. Going to be a huge game. So Syracuse defeated them last year. Marvin Graves thinks they can do it again this year. I'll be giving my analysis throughout the week. Very excited about having the opportunity of doing that. Stranger things have happened for somebody that thinks it can't happen, just like week three in the NFL. Well, back in 2017-18 season, last season, week three in the NFL was interesting as well. The Browns and the Colts ran up a score on each other that the Colts eventually won at home. And some of the other weird games, the Jets won over the Dolphins 20-6. to with the Jets not having much of anything back then. The Bills defeated the Broncos 26-16 to in that game. The Bears took down the Steelers 23-17, to a Steelers team that would make it to the AFC Divisional round game in this. The Falcons won over the Lions in a game where Golden Tate's touchdown was called off, which confused the heck out of people. The Tennessee Titans won at home against the Seattle Seahawks 33-27, to that last season in week three as well. 
So there were some weird things that happened last week three. But this week three definitely, in my opinion, takes the cake between the two years. I wanted to show you that week three was a strange year last year just as it is this year. But this year might be the strangest that I may have seen in a very, very, very long time, if ever. If ever. The Buffalo Bills, who started off the season 0-2 and gave up 11 sacks to start the season with a rookie quarterback starting only his second game, Josh Allen out of Wyoming. The team went on the road to Minnesota, who has a good defense, and won the game 27-6. We're up 27-0 until 2.59 left in the fourth quarter. The Buffalo Bills, I do not stutter, were in a game where they were winning on the road in Minnesota. By 27 points until there was 2.59 left on the clock of 60 minutes. 60 minutes. They did not allow a score on the clock for 57 minutes and one second. The Buffalo Bills defense on the road in Minnesota. The Buffalo Bills defense on the road in Minnesota. Did not allow a point for 57 minutes and one second. And Josh Allen, 10-yard touchdown run in the first quarter. Steven Hauschka, the former kicker of Seattle, which they had him back, I'm sure, as they don't have a lot to write home about right now besides Russell Wilson. 10 to nothing, he kicks a field goal. And then Jason Kroom, 26-yard pass from Josh Allen later on in the first quarter. Raise your hand if you have Jason Kroom on your fantasy team. I would venture to say that that was nobody. 17 to nothing. In the second quarter, Josh Allen has a one-yard touchdown run where he sneaks the ball over the pile and gets that touchdown. And then Steven Hauschka kicks another field goal, 50-yarder, 6-16 before halftime, 27 to nothing. The Bills did not score for the for the rest of the game. The Bills did not score the rest of the game. They scored 27 points in the first half. Did not score the entire second half. The entire 30 minutes of play did not score a single point. Their defense took over and allowed six points. Think about that. The Buffalo Bills won this game on the road in Minnesota. Won this game despite their offensive line giving up 11 sacks in the first two games. Won this game with a rookie quarterback in his second game. Won this game with Josh Allen running in two of the three touchdowns on the day. They won the game without LaShawn McCoy. And they didn't score for an entire second half. They only scored in the first and second quarter and still won this game. And the Bills defense looked remarkable against the Minnesota Vikings. There's a lot of... What about this, and what about this, and imagine this, and imagine this, and imagine that, and imagine this. Nuts. Absolutely nuts. And in a game where Jason Kroom catches a touchdown pass, I'll tell you about Jason Kroom. He's in his first season out of Tennessee, and he is a tight end on the team that stands 6'5 and about 250 pounds. And that was his first ever touchdown in the NFL. Your leading receiver was Chris Ivory, who used to be on the Jaguars, who was a running back, who was filling in for LaShawn McCoy. He went 56 yards on the ground, underwhelming at 2.8 yards per carry, but 23.3 yards per catch, catching three balls for 70 yards on the four targets that he had, ended the day with 126 all-purpose yards. Tremendous. 
The Buffalo Bills defense had 10 passes defended, five quarterback hits, four sacks in the game. And their offensive line only gave up three sacks, the least amount of sacks they've given up in any game this season. They gave up six in the first game, three on Nathan Peterman, three on Josh Allen, five in the last game, all with Josh Allen being sacked, and only three in this game. So they went from six to five to three. They're trending upward right now, this Buffalo Bills offensive line. And the defense of Tremaine Edwards and so on and so forth took care of business. Four sacks on the day. Matt Milano with a sack in the game. Trent Murphy with a sack. Kyle Williams and Jerry Hughes. I want to shout out Matt Milano because I covered him at Boston College. Talk about keeping a Northeast guy in the Northeast. He's from Comac, New York. 24 years old. Born in 1994. He was a fifth-round draft pick by Buffalo in 2017. He's in his second season out of Boston College. And he was awesome back then. And he's awesome now. Helping them defeat the Minnesota Vikings. So that was weird win number one of this week, week three in the NFL. Let's go to another weird win that happened in the NFL. I can't say that Cleveland's a weird win. It's their first win in 635 days, but I don't think it was a weird one because the Cleveland Browns have gotten progressively better. And I thought that, you know, Sam Darnold's going to throw some interceptions in early on in his career. So the Browns winning, I'm not going to say that 21-17 win was weird. I will say the Redskins win. Shout out to Marvin Graves. He's a Redskins fan, and he's from the D.C. area. The Redskins at home last week against the Colts scored nine points in a loss. Nine points. That's it. Then friggin' Aaron Rodgers comes into town. They score 31. Figure that out. The Colts are not a phenomenal team. The Colts are not a prevent defense that are going to stop you on every play. Andrew Luck doesn't look miraculous right now in his return. He looks okay. But Adrian Peterson up against the Green Bay Packers, whose defense has been not there for a while now. Not as scary as it used to be by any stretch of the imagination when Brett Favre was quarterback, that defense on the other side. Adrian Peterson, or even early on in Aaron Rodgers' career, Adrian Peterson, 19 carries for 120 yards, 6.3 yards per carry, two rushing touchdowns. This is what makes it really hard to say who do you play because Adrian Peterson is that guy who last week had 1.8 yards per carry, looked completely awful and disgusting, and then this week they're playing Green Bay. So you're thinking, oh, God, I got to keep him off. Nope. Two touchdowns, 120 yards rushing. On the other side of it, who'd I tell you to play? Devontae Adams and Geronimo Allison. Did you listen to me? Probably with Devontae, but did you listen to me with Geronimo Allison? He had the most yardage of any receiver for Green Bay with 76 yards on two catches alone and had a touchdown in the game. Jimmy Graham had 45 yards, no touchdowns, still underwhelming. This Washington defense had four sacks on the day. Five tackles for a loss. Six quarterback hits in the game. Guess how many sacks Green Bay had on Alex Smith? Zero. Zero. Big old goose egg. Paul Richardson and Adrian Peterson led Washington to a 14-0 lead at home against Green Bay in the first half. In the second quarter, the teams traded a touchdown here and there, but... The Packers had a field goal and a touchdown. The Redskins had two touchdowns. So they were up 28-10 to 10 at the half. 
Then in the third quarter, Devontae Adams got a touchdown to make it 28-17, still down, and Dustin Hopkins, with 158 left to go, wins the game 31-17. Giuseppe had something to say here, Giuseppe fishing on the line. He said, I think it happened because I was out fishing and wasn't able to watch the game. I would agree with that. I would definitely agree with that because there is something to fans, you know, when when a fan is sitting and watches every game religiously and then you end up going to the flea market with your wife or you go out fishing or you're at Disney or whatever it may be and then something or you're on vacation and something wild happens, either good or bad, you're like, "Oh wow, it's probably because I wasn't there." So, it's it's insane how that stuff works out and how that happens. So, Giuseppe, you would be more amazed I think than not about how true that is the Titans Jaguars that was a weird one nine to six we talked about it though and on the prowl I picked the Giants in this one the rest of the group here on wake up call went against me Mike Sofka and John and Jordan Newman all went with the Texans I went with the Giants in this game came up big time late in the game Uh, 27 to 22 they end up winning the game they had a big time second quarter, but they were scoreless in the third quarter, which made the game interesting. But the Texans could only get field goals until that fourth quarter, but the Giants were able to get a touchdown and an extra point and close the door on the road. 27-22, they win this game for their first win of the season, believe it or not, for this team. And Saquon Barkley getting that big-time grab late in the game. So I'm not going to say that that's a crazy win, but an interesting one. The Bears defeated the Cardinals. Josh Rosen came out and played and did not play well. He was harassed, and uh, things didn't work out for him. The Denver Broncos and the Ravens, I'm not going to say this is a weird one, but it definitely shows that the Broncos aren't the 2-0 and team that you thought they were, which I agree with wholeheartedly. Now, I did think the Broncos would win this game, but it was a really hard one to choose that I think could have flipped either way. This wasn't a game where I said, yep, yeah, Broncos by 20. I was like, eh, one of these teams is going to win. It's going to be a close game on either side of this. Like, either one of these teams has a chance to either, you know, throw a field goal this way or throw a field goal that way. The Ravens won by a little bit more than I thought. They won by 13 in the game. But the Denver Broncos, not as great as a 2-0 and makes them look. I definitely agree with that. So they are going to have to work on some things and get better because they are not a – they're not an undefeated team, and they're not anymore. But, they again, their record made them look really good. Last game I want to talk about, and we'll definitely bring this into the rest of the week. Tom Brady and the New England Patriots have looked awful, absolutely awful, in the last two weeks. Rob Gronkowski has not caught a touchdown pass in two weeks. No touchdowns in two weeks. Jacksonville's defense, Detroit's defense. No touchdowns in two weeks. Both games on the road, none of them in Foxborough. The New England Patriots won their first game at home against the Texans, and that game was close, 27-20. So even in the win that they had at home, it was a close game. They lose at the Jaguars and at the Lions. They have given up in their two losses this season in the last two weeks. They've given up 57 points and scored 30. Tom Brady in this game, 133 yards, 14 of 26 Almost had as many incompletions as he had completions in this game. He was 54% from the field this week. 54%. Barely completing over half of his passes. 
averaged five yards per attempt, had one touchdown and one interception, and Detroit got two sacks on him for a loss of a total of 13 yards. Like I said, Rob Gronkowski does not score. He has not scored in the two losses that the team has had. The only touchdown that he had was against the Houston Texans at home in that victory, and it was a touchdown of separation, 27-20. So Tom Brady doesn't look good in these last couple. Rob Gronkowski doesn't look good in these last couple. James White did okay. I told you to play him. He got you a touchdown. Didn't get you a ton of yards. Nobody got a ton of yards on this team. Most receiving yards, Rob Gronkowski with 51. Chris Hogan had 31. James White had 14. Sony Michel, 50 yards on the ground, no touchdown. But on the other side of it, speaking of on the ground, somebody did something pretty special in his third game as an NFL running back. Shout out Carrion Johnson for what he did. Big shout out to Carrion Johnson for what he did in this game. Carry on my wayward son. There'll be peace when you are done. Lay your weary head to rest. Don't you cry no more. Carryon Johnson in this game rushes against the Patriots, no less, for over 100 yards on the ground, 101 yards on 16 carries, 6.3 yards per carry in the game, 33 carries for 159 yards in general for Detroit, rushing for almost 5 yards per carry, and so did New England. New England was 4.7 in total, Detroit was 4.8 yards per carry, but New England only gained 89 yards on the ground. Detroit gained 159. Marvin Jones had a touchdown. Kenny Galladay had a touchdown. I told you to play both of them, so hopefully you listen to me on that. Golden Tate, I said, eh, back and forth on that one. He did not score. So if you played Galladay and you played Jones, you listen to me. You got touchdowns from those guys. 53 yards from Galladay, 69 from Jones. Golden Tate matched him with 69 yards, but he did not have a touchdown in the game. 262 yards for Matt Stafford and this offense in the receiving realm of throwing the ball, 133 for Tom Brady to 262. Tom Brady was almost doubled by Matt Stafford in this game, just about doubled in this game. So crazy, crazy play by the Detroit Lions who figured it out to go from week one where the Jets said, They're using the same plays from last year, from a totally different coaching staff. We just watched the film and figured out how to beat them. To last week where the Detroit Lions were playing against the 49ers and had a close game and still lost 30-27. to But if that was a sign of anything, going up against Jimmy Garoppolo on the road, on the West Coast, and figuring out a way to get that game within three points, then they come back and play the mentor of Jimmy G and take him down. They go out to a 13-0 lead in this game in the first half before Steven Guskowski kicks a field goal right before halftime with 40 seconds left. 13-3 Detroit at the break. 20-10 to 
after the third quarter and and a touchdown on each side. And then in the fourth quarter, totally shuts out the Patriots. Do not allow a score. They did not allow the Patriots to score in the first quarter. Did not allow them to score in the fourth quarter. They started strong. They finished strong. They won the game 26-10. The Detroit Lions, the Detroit Lions, folks, win over the Patriots. Matt Patricia, the old defensive coordinator of the New England Patriots, defeats Teacher. Takes him down. How crazy is that? Takes down the teacher. The the student takes down the teacher in this game. The Detroit Lions win it at home by almost 20 points. And I watched this show last night after the game. Loved this show. Been trying to catch up on it. And so, with all due respect, with trying to catch up on this, this only makes sense to be the background music to end today. Stranger things happening inside of the NFL. You thought that it was a strange thing that the Titans beat the Jaguars. You thought that it was a strange thing that the Redskins defeated the Packers. But there is no stranger thing than the Lions taking down the Patriots by almost 20 points after the Lions started off the season 0-2. We'll have our final step aside, get you ready for tomorrow in just a second. This is a wake-up call, Fast Break. Get Hilton quality service at the most affordable price at True by Hilton Camillus, located right next to Costco in Township 5. True by Hilton Camillus offers you their signature Top It breakfast bar with over 30 different toppings to personalize the most important meal of the day, all complimentary with your stay. For reservations and information, call 315-314-8676. That's 315-314-8676. True by Hilton Camillus. Hilton quality service at the most affordable price. Having peace of mind when you're out of town that your furry loving friend is safe and sound means taking them to Canine Campground because we all know that when it comes to the love of our pets, it goes well beyond the call of duty to make sure they're safe and sound. Right, Lily? So take a ride to 242 Johnson Street in East Syracuse, New York, and see Canine Campground and where your dog will be staying in the classic cabin, the executive cabin, the grand cabin, or of course the luxury cabin, because if you know Lily, you know she loves luxury. Now you don't have to wait to the last minute to find a family member or a friend that'll take your dog for a few days. Call Canine Campground at 315-299-4013. That's 315-299-4013. Their drop-off and pickup times are Monday through Sunday. Check K9Campground.com for more information. That's the letter K, the number 9, and campground spelled with a K, dot com. K9Campground.com. When you're going out of town, bring your dog to K9 Campground. Consistency is, well, consistently hard to find. Unless you head to 119 East 2nd Street in East Syracuse, New York, the home of the Penn and Trophy Center, who has been serving us Central and Upstate New Yorkers, as well as beyond, 
for decades. The Penn and Trophy Center on 119 East 2nd Street in East Syracuse, New York gives you an amazing and unique way to customize a memory today. Say it with the Penn and Trophy Center. Be it an Employee of the Month award, a sports award, something for your business, engraving for your family, your loved ones, anniversaries, birthday parties, and so much more, including remembering somebody who served in the military. Say it with the Penn and Trophy Center. 119 East 2nd Street in East Syracuse, New York. The definition of consistency is Penn and Trophy. Browse their products on penandtrophy.com. That's penandtrophy.com. And call them for more information at 315-422-8797. That's 315-422-8797. The Wildcat Sports Pub in Camillus, New York, is located on 3680 Milton Avenue in the Home Depot Plaza. It is your family-friendly sports bar and restaurant. Folks, some sports bars aren't family-friendly. Some family-friendly restaurants are not sports bars. The Wildcat Sports Pub in Camillus, New York, is proud to be both. It is that marriage that you've been looking for for years. The Wildcat Sports Pub is your home base for your sports bar and restaurant needs, games for the kids, indoor and outdoor activities, and enough things on the menu to come back every single week and get to try something new. They're open Sundays from noon to 8 p.m., Monday through Wednesday, 11 a.m. to 11 p.m., and Thursday through Saturday from 11 a.m. to midnight. For reservations and party information, call 315 315- 487-2222 for the Wildcat family-friendly sports pub and restaurant. Welcome back here to Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora. Really quick, get you set up for tomorrow. Todd Philcox, for the first time ever, is going to join the show. Speaking of quarterbacks in Syracuse history, he was the quarterback of Rob Drummond along with Don McPherson. So you'll hear from Todd Philcox. Ingredients to Success, proudly brought to you by Utica Pizza Company and It's a Utica Thing and so much more, including a bunch of Syracuse players and Dino Babers coming off of 4-0 and that win over UConn all coming up tomorrow. God bless, and I'll talk with you then.